it's good to have you. I thought about trying to cover all the rest, all the list of the things that <coughs> Paul mentions in this letter to Colossae. I was going to do that, but I didn't want to also do one play on some of all the uh, <coughs> Greek names and that almost is impossible if you know exactly how they were pronounced and have them in It is good to be with you. It's great we can be together. I want to sound off on a couple of things. One thing is that Tim already mentioned, don't forget next week is our Mission Sunday. If anyone forgets, what we do is the money we give on Mission Sunday, every penny we get doesn't go into our regular budget next year. It all goes towards the mission for the coming year. And so let me encourage you to sacrificially give to that, and as we work together, we'll be able to reach out in works away from here and help support at this point the mission money we've been receiving here to help support what we do at uh, Missouri Bible Institute know who we're helping support, know where that goes. Also, let me mention that if you pulled up here and saw all the flags marked out in front, um, because Dig Right needs to check that, because we have, we haven't done this in a while, I don't think we've done it in a few years, but we have a sign that's going to go up there, a lit sign that will tell, make us more visible, because you don't know how many people I say, you know, you drive down, tell them where we're at. So they don't see that sign on the front of the gable very well across here. But anyway, if you want to know what that sign's going to look like, I did put a likeness of it and the dimensions and everything up on the bulletin board. So uh, you can take a look at that and see for yourself if you want to ask questions. Hopefully it makes you more visible. And so I invite you to take a look at the sign and maybe uh, drive by and see what you see. But... One more thing I have to mention. I believe, you don't have to agree with this part of it, I'm not quoting the Bible, I'm saying this. I believe that maybe, this is just my opinion, the greatest holiday we have in the United States of America is Veterans Day. It's called Veterans Day. And I worry we the majority of the United States shoots a veteran's bow. So I know we have some veterans who serve. I know some of us also have family members who are veterans and active duty. Talked about Dustin, who uh, didn't find out um, what it is to be in the Marine Corps and all those things. And the wonderful things that they do and all those things. But anyway, I am incredibly, I want you to know, I am so thankful for those people who served us that way and serve us that way as this country. Because I enjoy many freedoms that I did nothing that I did for them. But they're the reason I have them. So thank you. That's for free. If you disagree with me, let me know afterwards, and I'll slap you real hard about it. No, <laughs> no, but because uh, I am most proud to be a Christian, but after that, I am extremely proud also to be a, a, a citizen of the United States of America. Uh, the difference is the founder of the church is perfect. 
going to look at some of those people here. I think this is interesting, and I, I worry that a lot of times we read through a, a letter like Colossians, and we study through a letter like Colossians, and we get to verse 7, and we just forget about the rest of the letter. We get into all these people. Well, these people are important. Aren't people important? Every soul is important. These are brethren. I want you to listen. These are the workhorses of the church of that day. I want you to remember that. These are the workhorses. And so you look at that, he says in verse 7, and as to all my affairs, because he's went to these congregations, he's established these congregations, he travels on to other places, and they want to know what's going on. Sometimes when we support missionaries or students at the school of preaching or um, teachers at school of preaching, when they come here, we let them preach, but a lot of times, especially teachers, we let them give us a let them give us a report of what's going on. We want to know that. And they send us letters. Paul sent letters. And let us know some of the things. Sometimes they name other people and we don't even know who they are. But they know who they are. And those people have names. And it's important. And of course when you forget their names, you call them brother so-and-so and so-and-so. But he says, As to all my affairs, Tychicus, my beloved brother and faithful servant, and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about my circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. And then we'll go on to that list of things that he does. Oh, Taichikus. Well, I'm not going to take time to turn back to all these, but over in Acts chapter 20 and verse 4, We'll find out when Paul goes to Macedonia and Greece, guess who also was along with him on that trip? One of the men was Tychicus. Also think about when Paul wrote to Timothy. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, he mentions he sends Tychicus. So I think about even to Ephesus. He sent him on to Ephesus. He talks about, matter of fact, turn to that one. That's an interesting one, 2 Timothy. Chapter 4. Look there with me if you would. First of all, you're going to see he mentions a little earlier in there, uh, verse 9, I make every effort to come uh, make every effort to come to thee soon. For Demas, we're going to find out something about this Demas. Well, he was a deserter. He deserted him. He left. He says, and has gone to Galatia and Titus, he went to Dalmatia, and, and Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him. But Tychicus, he didn't bail on him. I sent him to Ephesus. So he just doesn't have a relationship with the church in Colossae. He has a relationship with other Christians. And he's been along on these trips in many in many situations. Go over to Ephesians chapter 6 with me. Ephesians 6. And uh, look down at verse 21 but that you also may know about my circumstances. Paul, when he ends a letter, many times, we know that these letters per se are from Paul, but we really know he's not the one that generated them, right? He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But one thing in reporting back and writing to these, and many times correcting things and encouraging them with things, he also wants them to know his situation. Because in many of these letters, I'm not going to break down the letters, many of these letters, he's writing while he's in prison somewhere else. 
And they know, many of them know, you think about the church in Thessalonica, they even know when he was there he was mistreated. And he had to run out of town. And so when he reports back, and when he reports back like uh, to different congregations, when he writes back to Philippi, it's interesting that the first thing he does, he deals with the community of Philippi. But it's also amazing that one of the first converts in Philippi happened to be a jailer. So I almost think it's like, Matter of fact, when we get that to the next guy, Onesimus, he's one of Paul's converts while he was in prison. We'll get to him in just a minute. But we look at this passage here in uh, <coughs> Ephesians 6 and verse 21. He says, How I am doing, Caechicus, my beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will bring everything to you. He's going to bring all this stuff to you. Sounds a whole lot like the uh, letter in Colossians. He's going to bring these. He's a faithful servant. What does faithful servant mean? I guess every time from the time I was a boy, growing up, going to Bible class, and then you know, someone would ask me about what's it mean to be faithful. I'd just say, well, let's turn over to James 1. You know, Ben, in class this morning, was talking about that whole, I'm going to call it the whole showtime thing in marriage today. Well, you know, because they don't understand. They think you're here to be a spectator. You're not here to be a spectator today. You're here to be a participant. I can't worship for you, and you can't worship for me. We all have to be involved in this. Now, we might do different things. Someone might get up here and lead us in the worship and say, and when I preach, I'm going to tell you where the passage is. I try to give you time, and it goes up on this screen. I want you to see it. I always tell people, and sometimes it's hard to remember that and things like that, but the greatest thing, compliment you can ever pay a preacher, any real preacher, is I can't remember who said that, but I'm pretty sure it was Ben. So you kind of want to be, as a preacher, transparent. You want him to remember the message because the message is what it's about, not the message. And so Paul would deal with that too. And he even says, if you don't like the message, what do they try to do? We'll try to kill the message. So he's saying, don't blame me. It didn't derive from me, but that's how people are. So either they leave one way or the other. But I also like that he says, we're a fellow bondservant. He's also a fellow bondservant. So that has the idea of being bound to serve, like the idea of slavery. Like it's not your choice. We all have free will. Do you know the day you make a decision to serve Christ, do you make a decision that changes really everything about your life? The day you became a Christian, did you stop thinking, well, am I going to do what Jesus said on this point, or am I going to do what the Bible says? You just made the decision, whatever the Bible says, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. So you don't have to make those decisions. So am I going to be here for... Here, 1030, 1030 worship? How about 930 Bible class? If I'm not physically hindered from that, I'm going to be here. Am I going to be here at 130? Oh, excuse me, 1230. Yeah, 
Oh, am I going to be here when I get? I don't make I don't make that decision every week. I made that decision when I was just a boy. And even as I become more of an adult, now I quit being inherited. I'm, I'm gonna be here unless it's physically impossible for you me to be here. Now, I think nothing of that, right? You can have an oxygen wheel. You can have flat tires. You can blow an engine up. You can get stuck in traffic. But so those kinds of things. But if I'm just too slow to get up and get around and do this and do that, who's, who's going to answer for that? Or I got family coming to town because it's Thanksgiving and I got to stay home and prepare a meal. Feed them baloney. Because that's what you're full of, baloney. And so, you know, I just, I just think, what are you doing? And so we can't lose sight of that. So I think about this pawn servant. Look over just a couple of verses earlier of Romans 10. Listen to verse 15. For I am under obligation. Does that sound like you're bound to something? I'm a bondservant, and he says I'm under obligation to both the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. And for my, He's talking about that preaching thing again. And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and salvation. So you look at all these things, and that you look at that, we're obligated. What if you go buy a car and you don't have the money to pay out on it? Borrow money. Are you obligated to pay the debt? What happens So I'm obligated to preach the salvation of some preacher. Oh man, Kendall went from preaching stuff to preaching. There's just so I just want but he calls Taichikas, man. This guy's on fire. He's going he's been in these cities. He's went on these missionary trips. He's put his one foot down in front of the other. They didn't uh, fly to the town. They didn't drive in a nice car. They didn't stay in air conditioning. You know, they didn't get any of those luxuries. They had to go tough it out. And they were in hostile situations time and time again. And that's the kind of man Taishikas is. And then we mention, he mentions a very interesting fellow. And with him, with Taishikas, I'm also going to send back Onesimus. Our faithful and beloved brethren. Brethren. Our faithful and beloved brother. Not my faithful and beloved brother. Our there's a whole book about this guy. Short. Little book of Philemon. Written to the man who owned Onesimus as a slave. Who was also a brother in Christ. Wow. So what do we find out about him? Turn with me to Philemon real quick. And it's so short that you might miss it. So it's right in front of you. Okay. Philemon in verse 10. I appeal to you. For my child Onesimus, so writing to Philemon, your brother in Christ, who is the master or owner of Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment. So let's know one thing. When Onesimus ran away from his master, he was not a brother in Christ. 
but he is now, is that going to change the game? You better make sure it changes the game. Now, this is interesting. So you would think, okay, he become a brother in Christ. I think about how Americans think about slavery and stuff. Well, Paul should have been. Okay, yeah. What do you mean? who formerly was useless to you. Yeah, because he's a runner. But now he's useful both to you and to me. Man, this guy, I love Onesimus. I have sent him back to you in person. That'd be hard for Onesimus to do. That is sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me. He goes ahead and talks about that. He said, but I'm not going to keep him with me because you are his master. It's about you. I don't own him. And really get down to it, Paul gets his point. The one who owns me, Philemon, the one who owns you, is really the same one who owns Onesimus. And he's now a brother in Christ. So isn't that amazing that in the book of Colossae, one of the people that he mentions in this list is a man who's a slave, a runaway slave, who's now going back to his master. What if Philemon says, nope, you're not going to go into him. You're doing the roughest job the rest of your life. Well, we don't have time to cover all that, right? But they had their way of cutting it. Wow, Christianity is complicated. But look what he says about him. Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. He's a faithful brother. Now, this is it. just easy. Even a boy who grew up in South Central Queens would have to say this. Faithful means of faith. Doesn't just mean oh you of little faith. You're full of beautiful means you're full of beauty. Okay. So you think about that. Faithful means you're full of faith. He's full of faith. Well, you know what? If Paul had brought him to the gospel, then you know he'd been taught the word of God, right? And we know how does faith grow? Faith comes by hearing. Now, what you know about the Apostle Paul, you think he did much preaching on this when they were in prison together? Well, I guarantee you, if he didn't want to hear it, he'd have got sick and tired of it. Because Paul, when he wasn't singing, well, when he wasn't singing, sometimes he all he had a devotion to the saints praying. But it kind of shook things up sometimes. Especially the jailer in Philippi said, man, I'll take that man for a deacon. But you think about that, so when they get out of jail, he wants to know, what do I need to do? Paul preaches. You know, you just look at this, and Onesimus is a faithful and beloved brother. You know, John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. I love the Lord. Well, you can't love God whom you've not seen. You don't love the Lord whom you have seen. Well, I love God, but I don't think much of the brethren. and the truth don't inform you. So first John, I got all kinds of packed up. But we'll eat that alive. So we look at that and he says, this, do you think Jesus really loved him? Answer, do you think Jesus really loved him? And look, look what he did. Now let me ask you this. Did you deserve that love? How come we only going to love people who deserve it? Well, do you know that's really not love? 
you're just like, as he would say in that day, the Gentiles or the lost, the world. He said, that's how the people of the world are. You're just like, you're worldly. Wow. That is so true. And so Onesimus is a faithful and beloved brother. Go on down to verse uh, 10 here. Oh, we get to Aristarchus. What a name, huh? I'd have just called him Eric. I didn't even think about that. Aristarchus. Uh, we look at him, and look what it says. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. So Onesimus was a fellow prisoner. Aristarchus is also in prison. Do you think, now Onesimus was in prison for being a runaway slave. It appears that Aristarchus was a prisoner for preaching the gospel, just like Paul was for preaching the gospel. So he says, my fellow prisoner, he sends you greetings. Oh, then it also mentioned uh, Barnabas. Or Barnabas' cousin Mark reminded me of his name. That's what it is. Aristarchus, turn with me back to Acts 19. Acts 19 and verse 23. Now, I want you to remember what all's going on here as we look at Acts 19. They're in Ephesus, and those who are making idols really don't like them much. And if you look at verse 26, you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying, the gods made with hands are no god at all. Who does he think he is? We're making these little statues, these little table gods that you can take home and you can pray to and you can pay, and we can make them and we get real money out of them. That's still all he thinks he is. Hopefully it doesn't offend any. Still remember, and I'm, I'm 20 plus years ago, when the Pope was coming to St. Louis. Man, the Pope coming to St. Louis, that was more important than if you listen to the news or the Cardinals or what the Saints won the World Series. I mean, that was it. And it always amazed me when they would say the head of the church. I'm thinking, the Bible? Jesus is the head. I thought you were a separate person. But I remember my neighbor lived across the street. He was Catholic. He didn't talk about Jesus. So being my honorary self that I am, I told him I had a money maker. We can make a lot of money if we count the pieces. He said, you can't? I said, yeah, we're going to make little soap popes. And we're going to sell pope on a rope. And we'll tell them they can go and get some holy water, and they got it made. And they can wash away any sin. He said, you know, Kendall, that would sell. I said, I'm not doing that. But anyway, you know, I just think a little strange. But you still think that's what they were doing. They were making little gods, not soap on a rope. But that's how they were making money off all this false religion. Well, if someone comes in and attacks your livelihood and turns all the buyers away from you, and you don't have these buyers anymore, you don't like that guy. So that's what's going on in this situation. I always find that interesting. In, in Acts 19, so I want you to see down here in verse 29, in the middle of this, um, he says, And the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed with one accord in the theater, dragging along Gaius, oh, look who else is there, Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companion in Ephesus. So when you traveled with Paul, was Paul the only one that got mistreated? 
You with him? We'll beat you too. You with him? We'll run you out of town too. You with him? We'll talk bad about you too. You with him? We'll imprison you too. Aristarchus had dealt with that. This guy had been through thick and thin. So that he's in prison with Paul. The reason he's in prison, not is because he shoplifted at the local unleavened bread store. It's because he preached the gospel as a traveling companion of Paul. I want you to think about this as he writes to the church at Colossae. When you look at this, you say, man, this should be encouraging. And then I love the next one. I think he's a big player. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, so you may get a note. And also Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. So, and I, we can look at other passages where Paul asks for Mark to come. Mark's with him. And he says, if Mark comes to you, welcome him. Why do they have to tell him that you welcome Mark? He doesn't have to tell him to welcome anybody else. So what's the deal about Mark coming to welcome him? Was everything always great between Paul and Mark? No. Let's turn back to Acts 15. Acts 15. We'll pick up about verse 15. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, now we all know Paul and Barnabas, early Christian ministry, I mean, they were together. And even when Barnabas needed to send him before the other apostle, when Paul needed to send him before the other apostle, Barnabas was there. Barnabas was the guy who were told which folks property to give to the church. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. I'm kind of interested. I wonder how all the brethren are doing in all these towns. Let's make another trip and go by and see how they're doing and encourage them. Understand, they couldn't leave them a New Testament. They hadn't been written. Now, Paul, he could have laid hands on some of them and gave maybe one of them the gift of prophecy. He didn't get to decide that. The Holy Spirit gave whatever gift he wanted to give them. But still you understand it had been special when you didn't have a Bible to have one of the apostles there with you. Wow. So he said, let's go see how they're doing. Think how hard it would be for you to stay faithful to the Lord and have a Bible to keep you going. I'm glad I didn't live in that time. I mean, I know the miracle That's just so, this is the perfect Christianity. This is Christianity. Nothing's imparted. So, oh, so important. But look what he goes on and says. As we read, he says, Barnabas wanted to take John called Mark. John Mark. Mark. His name was John, but they called him Mark. I don't know, maybe his middle name was Mark. Maybe his dad's name was Mark, and because his dad's name was John, they didn't want to call him Junior, so they named him Mark. I don't know. Maybe he, his older brother threw a rock at him one day and he had a mark on his head. So they, I don't know why they called him Mark, okay? But we know John Mark. So we know that. That's the Mark he's talking about back there in Colossians. 
let's take him along. Let's take him along with us all. But kept, Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted. Now let me ask you something. So I just talked about veterans. What if we find out that one of the men in the entire Navy served in the military, but we find out they were a deserter? Would you think a little differently of them? I'm not saying they can't pass or refuse to serve in the military. I mean, I can't think of much of one of them that you think of. You think about especially if you're in the battlefield, those of you who are military, because I'm just going to use the word soldier because I'm looking at Bonnie, all his family. We're not going to go through airmen or anything like that. Are if one man intruded upon another man's land, so one bails because he put everybody else at risk. Now, one thing a deserter is to me. You committed this, suck it up. It's going to hurt. It's going to leave a mark. I don't care. You committed to it. You do it. Most people, when the going gets tough, they quit. Even Christians. You think about how many people become Christians. If everyone we'd ever taught the gospel to that obeyed the gospel was faithful and right here, we couldn't get through it. Bunch of deserters. There are members of this congregation that have deserted the church. I'm not trying to be mean. But, I mean, they. we need you. God needs you. We need each other. So I see Paul and them, they're on a missionary trip, and they need each other. And, I don't know, Mark got homesick. And they needed him. They depend on him, and he shagged. Paul says, we're not doing that again. And so look what he says. But you also understand... As we look in Colossians, did Barnabas and John Mark have another tie? Their kinsmen. And Barnabas didn't cover anything for John Mark, but he said, this boy's got it in him. We can train him. We can get him to be who he needs to be. And later on, it's a message from God. Paul says nothing. But you look at this, and he says, but Paul kept insisting they should not take him along them at Pamphylia, and had gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement. Barnabas says, I'm telling you, I'm taking you. Well, then you're not going. So Barnabas and Paul, they didn't break fellowship in the way that they no longer accepted each other as brothers in Christ, but they disagreed on how to work together. Not one was scriptural and one was unscriptural. Paul just says, I'm not willing to put everyone at risk. They disagreed on who should come along on the trip or not. But they didn't draw a line of fellowship. But now when we get over here to Colossae, guess who is with Paul? So guess who must have done a good job with John Mark? So Barnabas had trained him, and now he's dependable. Well, he says, but he says he deserted. He doesn't say he had a justifiable reason. He's a deserter. He bailed for no good reason. And so Paul says, you got to understand, this is what happened. Barnabas says, young man, sometimes when we're young, do we make foolish decisions? 
Sometimes people have to work with us a while to bring us along. Are some people, listen to me, are some people better with bringing along weak people than other people? Other people say, I need people who can jump when I say jump. We need to get this done. I need people I can depend on. I can't do this around you. Others say, well, I'm going to work with them over here and get them so you can depend on them. Not that one's better than the other. Do we need both those kinds of people? We do. The church needs both those kind of people. This is one of those situations where you find out Paul and Barnabas, by going their own way, was able to accomplish a great thing. Paul went on that missionary trip and converted many, many people in Savage Congregation. And Barnabas, he brought John Mark along, where now John Mark's one of those travelers and one of those people in whom Paul mentions right here at the end. Uh, we are going to run out of time, so we won't get too much into, we could go on into justice. He's kind of an interesting fellow, but um, as you get to verse 11, it says, all jo- Also Jesus, who was called Justice. Now, Jesus was a very common name. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you must understand who the majesty of Jesus is. So they're going to call him Justice. So nicknames are okay, aren't they? I can show you several of them. Saul became Paul. Now we go back to the Old Testament. Then Joseph, the fellow whose name's turned to Israel. We can see all kinds of things, all kinds of nicknames. And then when they're godly people who give them, they give them good names. Like to be nicknamed. That's one of the names that they use for people they like to be nicknamed. Deborah's the worst. But anyway, I'm just Kendall, okay? But anyway, no, no, you look at that, how important that is. As we will, Lord willing, get back to some of this next week, but I, I want us to understand something how important it is that we know who we are and we know how God's established us and why He's established us. We're going to end at a passage that shows how important it is. For all these brethren, Lord willing, next week we'll wrap the rest of this up. But turn with me over to Ephesians 4. I'm just going to read this passage and make one or two comments on it, and then we'll stop and pray for today. He says, and he gave, verse 11, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints. Hey, Mark was one of those people, right? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's what all these people. Until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of God. Okay. As a result, we are no longer children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of this of men, by the craftiness of deceitful schemes. But, speaking the truth in love, we are growing up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, I'm going to mention this word again, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I wonder why the Holy Spirit had Paul write about these people. Because each individual is a fair specimen. Each of these individuals is important to the ministry of the Spirit. 
each of these individuals were important to the church in Colossae. Whether they're ones who were thrown in prison because they'd been Paul's travel companion, whether they're a runaway slave who'd been converted, or whether they're a man who once deserted Paul and his companions on a missionary journey. But now they all individually do their part Now, next week, and Ben and Nick can let me back to I talked about all those things that I had read. But this letter isn't just to the church in Colossae. We'll talk about that more next week. It's also written in a letter to the church in Ephesus knew about the church in Colossae, and they knew about these two other missionaries and what they were doing in their lives. Let me tell you something this morning. There's one thing that you can do And for the church to grow out of this church, what do you need to do? Each individual has a part. If you're here this morning, maybe you're saying, you know, I wouldn't have made the list. I haven't been doing my part. Fix that. Come and ask for prayer. Change your ways. And become a worker. From the time I was a boy, I sang a song. I want to be a worker for the Lord. I still remember my step-grandfather says about time we stopped wanting to be a worker and got to work. But we want to be workers for the Lord, not spectators. That's not ministry. Maybe... the name of Jesus before others and repent and be baptized, have your sins washed away, and be raised up to walk in newness of life, and the Lord will step on you. 